song by Vane Do for you all, but um, it's easy to catch on to, so I hope you enjoy it.
down like rain a love that I can't explain peace that stills my soul light in the darkest place of life even in the pain it feels like coming home where the spirit of the breaking new ground 
So I yield to you and to your careful care. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing, but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. In the crushing.
Christ my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my what a wonderful name it is nothing compares to this what a wonderful name it is the name of jesus what a wonderful name it is the name of Silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no Would you uh, join me as we pray together this prayer from the Book of Common Prayer? 
Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I'm going to, I'm doing this morning's connection moment, and I feel like it's been a really long time since I've been up here to do the connection moment for the purpose of connecting you with our teenagers. Uh, I've been up here doing some other connection moments, but it's been a while since I've shared with you about our teenagers. Believe it or not, our teenagers still exist and uh, youth group still exists. We still we still uh, do that every every Wednesday or not Wednesday every week is what I meant to say. Every Sunday, uh, we still do that. And so there's some pretty cool things happening. Um, but what we are what we're working through is we're getting ready to start a series called Contact um, tonight. We're starting a new series called Contact. And and basically, uh, what this is 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 this kind of was birthed out of a uh, desire amongst our teen leadership team, like our team of, of adult volunteers sitting around the table and just talking about where are we at in youth group and what, what are some things that maybe we, we're missing we need to, to really work on. And really this, this came out of a desire of wanting something more for our youth group and specifically wanting something more in terms of the deep and meaningful connections that can be made in youth group. Uh, those those connections with each other, those those meaningful relationships, and we said what we 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 feel like we we need to focus in on this area because the truth is is we live in a a, a time where connections are sometimes difficult, uh, and it's not just our teenagers, right? Amongst us, even as adults, uh, deep and meaningful relationships can be difficult. There there's obstacles to deep and meaningful uh, connections and relationships. Um, there's a global pandemic that we're going through. Like that has caused difficulties in relationships, in being with people on a regular basis. There is, uh, there's, let's just be honest, there's, a, there's divisiveness amongst people at this time, right? And so that creates an obstacle to these deep and meaningful connections. Uh, there's things that make it, can sometimes make it easier, but then uh, other times make it more difficult, like social media, right? Like sometimes social media gives us this kind of fake sense of connectedness and contact when we're really not connecting. It's just this like faux kind of connection where it's not. There's all kinds of obstacles to these deep relationships. And so what we want to do and what we're going to do throughout this series is we're going to look at this idea of what does it look like to have contact, to make intentional contact with each other with the purpose of building and developing those uh, those significant relationships. And we're going to be looking at, um, at some, some instances uh, where Jesus kind of made a point to make contact with individuals, to kind of check in with individuals, to see how they're doing, to make that intentional contact. But as I was thinking about this morning and what I wanted to kind of uh, talk to you about and how I wanted to portray this, I couldn't help but think of, uh, of the, the verses, the three verses in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 uh, that talk about 
uh, two being better than one, and three is even better, right? It's it's the Bible verse that we, we like to we like to use in weddings sometimes, right? But it's not really, it's not actually talking about a marriage, but it fits nicely, right? And so we, we use this in, in weddings. But I want to read this to you and then just talk just a minute about that. This is from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. But here's the deal. You can have three strands. Like You can have three separate strands that are together, but it's still not, it still hasn't reached its peak strength, right? Like it's still, it's a, it's a, it's three strands and they're kind of together, but, but it's not very strong. Why? Because they're not in contact with each other, right? If I'm pulling on the Okay, if I pull, if I continuously pull on these, it's not as strong as it could be because these ropes are just, these, these, they're just three individual strands just kind of flailing around. Lizzie, will you come up here? I'm going to have Lizzie help me with something. What makes, as, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, a, a, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So what turns these three strands into something that's really strong? It's contact, right? And so Lizzie's just going to start braiding these. And as we braid them, the, the, the strands become intertwined. They become braided together. It ensures that they are in contact with each other, that they're always contacting each other. And so we can have three individual strands, and sometimes that can see, oh, yeah, we're together, right? We have these faux connections. Like, oh, yeah, I'm connected with uh, 1,500 people on Facebook, and so I'm, I'm very connected, right? Well, am I really connected? Because, like, I haven't actually had a conversation with them. Let's just be honest. I'm just stalking them. Right? Like, no, I'm not throwing shade at anyone, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying. It's not real connection. But what if we started making sure that we were in contact with, with people and, and we started, man, we saw church Sunday morning as a time where we can intentionally be in contact with each other. We saw small groups as, a, as an opportunity where we could intentionally be in contact and we can build this cord of, of strands together where we're constantly in contact? What if we came to youth group and we, we saw it as an opportunity to be in contact with each other? Lizzie, that is the best braiding job I've ever seen. Thank you so much. Can you guys give Lizzie a, a round of applause? Chelsea's like, you should braid it up on stage. I'm like, that would not work well. I'll have somebody else do that. When we have these three strands that are, that are coming together, when we are, when we are contacting each other, when we are checking in with each other, we are building this cord of three strands that is so much stronger than the three individual strands. Even though it seemed as though they were together, they weren't actually together because they weren't in contact with each other. So I guess my challenge to you would be, what would it look like for you over these next few weeks to be intentional about the contacts that you have in your life? Here's a crazy challenge. Maybe find, we have collective, new collectives starting this week, uh, starting today. Maybe find one of those collectives to jump into. To say, man, I want to be intentional about making contact with people in my community. Uh, maybe that person that you like to stalk on Facebook to see how they're doing, 
what would what a crazy thing if you actually like texted them or you made a phone call and like again i'm not throwing shade because this is me too i don't make phone calls i called my mamma on friday and i'm like man i wish i could just you know send her a text and just have this text and she does she texts i'm like i called her i was like i'm gonna call mamma and just check on her what would it look like if you were intentional about instead of facebook creeping on somebody like you contacted them Checked in with them, say, hey, how's it going? You doing all right? I'm, I've been thinking about you, praying, praying for you. What would it look like if we were intentional about being in contact with each other? I'm convinced that it's through that contact, through that constant checking in and making contact that we can build a cord that is so much stronger than just loose, flailing strands. Amen? Amen. All right, Pastor Paul is going to come and bring the word. Thank you, Josh. Um... Let's talk about being proactive today, uh, what, what it means to be proactive as, as a, a disciple. You know, we're proactive in a lot of uh, areas of our life. We're, we're proactive, or we should be proactive in our finances. You know, when, our, with our finances, we, we, we make plans, we, we, we budget um, long-term and short-term. So we, we're proactive with our finances. Hopefully, we're proactive with our physical body. Uh, you know, we, we plan out exercise and we, we plan out what we're going to eat, and if we don't plan out what we're going to eat, unfortunately, I have a, a McDonald's on the way home, and, and McDonald's plans out for me. So we, we're proactive, hopefully, in that. I, I think about the area of real estate and, and home ownership. Uh, if you're not proactive in your, with your real estate, with your home, uh, when it comes time to sell your home, you're going to have trouble. They, they use that, that phrase that means you didn't take care of your home, deferred maintenance. Anybody ever hear that phrase, right? And so proactive with our homes. We, we need to be proactive in relationships. Uh, relationships just don't happen. And what Josh is talking about, it, just, it doesn't just happen. Uh, that, that there has to be a level of action, of being proactive in, in our family. You've got to be proactive in your family. You've got to be proactive to maintain friendships and your work relationships. It takes effort. It just won't happen. Um, you know, the, the, the primary practice in relationships, just, just so you kind of keep this in your mind, is this ideal of margin, uh, keeping margin in your life. Most of your life is full of obligations. You go to work, you have this to do, you got to go grocery shopping. And so there's obligation in life. And sometimes the obligation will flow into the margins that God gives us, like Sabbath. And um, when that does, when your time and your finances and your energy are all used up, then you have no space for relationship. Relationships grow in the margins of life. And so one of the things that we're proactive with, with regard to relationship, is we make sure we keep margins in our life, that we're not too busy, that we're not too tired, that we've not spent so much that we don't have any space for anyone else. Uh, we're in the midst of this series called Identity Crisis, and we've been dealing with the idea of what does it mean to be a disciple, and been working through the Sermon on the Mount, and, and we've, we've used the ideal, um, that the, and, and I believe it's a true ideal, that discipleship is based on relationship. So if discipleship is based on relationship, then it's important that we maintain margins in our life to build the relationship that's essential to discipleship. Relationship with God best occurs in the margins of our life. Now, the truth is, it can occur in the hectic as well, but even in the hectic, we've got to carve out space so that we hear from God. And, and so it's important that, that we are proactive 
in our relationship with God. There's intentional practices that we believe in. These aren't new practices. We're, we're not developing a whole slew of new practices on how you relate with God, but they're old practices. They're ancient practices. And, and so in our discipleship, summit, I, I hope you give it a try. We're going to talk about ancient practices that still have meaning and, and give us, build our relationship with God even now. Practices like prayer and study and relationship and service. All these things are things that are essential if you want to have a strong relationship with God. So we intentionally build, we should intentionally build into our life space for prayer, for study, for serving, for giving. It's not just something that happens when we, we feel like it or when we, we feel like we have time for it. It's something that we intentionally build into our life. And so disciples are proactive. Um, I, I, I don't know why it's, I, I, we've heard this song, we've sang it, but for some reason it just, and, and thank you Dylan and Dana for driving all free for Nashville just for me, right? I appreciate that. But that song, New Wine, in the crushing In the pressing, you are making new wine. Can, can I just be vulnerable enough with you to, to feel like I'm kind of in one of those seasons? Not, not that anything bad's going on in my life, but there's a lot of change. And, and it feels like a crushing and a pressing season. And if I'm not proactive, it's just a season of crushing and pressing. But if I'm proactive and intentional, even in a season of change, God can create new wine in my life, something new and beautiful and, and eternal. Last week, we um, talked about asking, seeking, and knocking. And the reality is, as disciples, we are proactive because we are ever asking, we are ever seeking, we are we're always knocking. We are proactive with God. And, and, and the reality is, you, you realize God was proactive with us. And that's a good time to say amen. God's proactive with you. You know, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And so God's been proactive with us, and we're proactive with him. And then he invites us to be proactive in our relationships with others. Um, verse 12 of chapter 7 of Matthew. So at everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Um, that's all we're going to read today. That, that, you know, that, that, that seems pretty, you know, this sums up everything. It's got that word, so at the beginning, in my translation, your translation may say, therefore. You guys, this is the old preacher phrase. If you see the word therefore, you got to look and see what it's there for, right? And so we got to look above and, and you know, so, so there's a therefore and there's, you, you look to see what he's referring to. And, and there's two main schools of thought with regard to what Jesus is referring to here. Because immediately prior to this, he talks about not judging. 
And some people say, well, yeah, he's talking about not judging, you know, because do, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And some believe that he's talking about the goodness of God and the giving of good gifts. And, and, and so you have really two equal thoughts on that. I, I tend to lean towards the later, uh, that, that it's because of the God who gives good gifts that we should be doing the same thing. And it's consistent with this ideal of discipleship in my mind that, that we're learning to live like Jesus. That to be a disciple of Jesus is not just to learn about Jesus, but it's to lean into Jesus and begin to look like Jesus and, and, and look like our Heavenly Father. And, and so this golden rule, as we've called it, most people accept. As a matter of fact, people that maybe have never picked up a Bible have probably heard this golden rule. Um, it, it's, it's something that sometimes people mishear. Uh, they hear, do unto others before they do unto me. Anybody know anybody like that, right? Uh, it, it's golden rule is, is basic. Um, I, I think probably we taught that to our kids, and you taught that to their, your kids when they went to school and and we all acknowledge that families, workplaces, neighborhoods, schools, and churches would be a pretty good place to be if this very simple rule was followed. I wish this was the rule on social media. Could I get an amen to that? Um, the golden rule is found in several other places in a negative form. Confucius, Confucius say, uh, do not to others what you would wish not done to yourself. So that's, that's the negative of that. The Stoics had a very similar. Uh, the Apocrypha says, do not do to anyone what you would hate. So don't, don't do anything to anyone that, that, they, that you would hate and you know they would hate. And you know, I thought about that little phrase and I, I got to tell you, when I was in college, we didn't follow that rule very good. And anybody have a bunch of college roommates? If there was something my roommate hated, I would love to do it, right? Scott, Scott Spencer, uh, he, he didn't like for us to say, hey, you're always right, Scott. So all the time we're saying, oh, you're always right, Scott. And he'd get mad at us. But it was kind of fun as roommates. So I think that rule, there's some exceptions. It, it doesn't, you know, I'm going to have all three of my boys in here. It doesn't matter in families. You don't have to follow that all the time with families with boys because they are going to troll each other, right? And I think God understands a little bit there. Rabbi Heliel, Heliel says, what is hateful to you, do not do to anyone else. And supposedly he said this, summing up the law, standing on one foot. It's similar, but on the other hand, Jesus' command is proactive. It's completely different. Do to others what you would have them do to you. In other words, we cannot follow this command by being inactive. It's a call to action. It's a call to initiative. And I would say that we can't be disciples without being proactive. Um, to forgive is proactive. And to forgive is good, but it's not just letting go. The, the, the real call is to forgive and take steps towards reconciliation. Now, I understand that doesn't always happen, but, but, but God doesn't want us just to let bygones be got bygones. God wants us to try to restore relationships. Generosity 
And we can talk about tithing, and we believe in tithing. We, we don't pass a play, but, but, but you guys are so faithful in your giving. Many of you give online, and, and, and we have the giving boxes in the back of the sanctuary. We don't make a huge deal about it, but, but, but the truth is we believe in giving. We, we believe in generosity, and, and so many of you practice, and I practice the, 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 the habit of tithing, and, and tithing is giving 10% of my income to God, and, and, and just routinely do that. that. That's not the end. God didn't want to create a community full of tithers. He wanted to create a community full of generous people, and tithing is a habit that leads to generosity, so he generously blesses us, and we give back, and we realize it's God's anyhow, and we give it back, and, and then God continues to bless, and we continue to give, and, and he do, does something new in our heart. And so it, it's not what do we have to do, but what can we do? Upstairs, we're, we're beginning to make some processes uh, for some greater accessibility. And we're, we're, we're looking at a, a chairlift just for the upper sanctuary. That's, that's not the end. I, I think there's more that God has in mind with his people, and, but it's baby step. And, and so we're looking at about a $7,000 cost, and, and we don't want to take that out of operating expenses. We, we're looking to you folks. I'm, I'm going to give to this. I'm going to be gone, but I'm going to give to this. And so I'd encourage you, we're trying to raise $7,000 over the next two or three months. If, if you would like to give a, a lump sum, we'd encourage you to give. And, and what that's going to provide is access to the upper sanctuary for, for our children as they go to the morning worship if they need it. Instead of carrying wheelchairs up steps, a mechanism that would get our kids up there. Now personally, and, and, and this is up to... A pastor that follows me, I think the heart of God is for those who are, are broken and need help. And, and maybe long term, there's, there's a call to, to maybe do more to make this whole building more accessible to everyone. And that comes with a cost. But folks, God calls his people to pay the cost. And so I hope you join me in that. See, disciples don't ask, what do I have to do? Disciples ask, what can I do? God, what can I do here? Um, there's, a, there's a barbecue restaurant in Kansas City, Missouri called Gates Barbecue. Anybody ever been to Gates Barbecue? Yeah? Anybody ever gotten barbecue in Kansas City? <laughs> Pretty good barbecue in Kansas City. You know, you know the stockyards there. And, and so uh, it's making me think of burnt ends right now. And I don't know. I may have to just, okay, let's all bow your head and pray. I'm going to go just, no. Um, Gates Barbecue, you walk in. And as you walk in, they're screaming at you. How can we help you? I mean, it's, it's, it's really that urgent. And uh, I thought about that. And I think I've mentioned that. I think that's the church. I, I think that the church, as people walk in these doors, we should be calling out, what can we do to help? That, that's why it's so important that we have greeters at doors that we have hospitality teams, that we have safety teams. And if you have any interest in that, see Terry, see, see Todd, we need you. We desperately need people that will plug back into these places. COVID kind of took that away for a while. We need you because that screams, how can I help you? Church needs to be a place where you walk in and you feel like they're here for me. But not just each other. 
not just our friends, not just the nice people. I, I wish Jesus would make these commands just for the nice people. It'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Somebody give me an amen. You think that too. But this extends not just to the nice people. Luke 6, we've been going, you know, we've been looking at Matthew, and then we'll, we'll pick up in Luke where these same words are given. And uh, Luke makes it plain. Uh, this is not just about doing good to the people we like, but even the enemy. Luke 6, 27 through 31. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other one also. Okay, somebody, no, don't, don't do that. When someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. If anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. And then tag to this. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is the nature of our God. You realize that? When Jesus is saying these words, this is not some make-believe, fictional character. This is the very nature of our God. And our, as disciples, we are meant to reflect the nature of our God, our Heavenly Father. So Jesus says, this sums up the law and the prophets. <laughs> What does God want? All these laws, all these commands, all these scriptures. And then it comes down to it and Jesus says, hey, this sums it up. If you can live this, you can live the law and the prophets. So let me ask you, has your life demonstrated the law and the prophets this week? <laughs> Have you done unto others as you would like them to do unto you? Um, we're going to close with communion. I'm going to invite Dylan and Dana to come and we'll wind this up. Communion. Communion is a feast in which we recognize that God has taken the initiative of reconciliation, right? You understand that? That, that when we see these elements, what we're say, seeing is we're seeing the body and the blood of Jesus and we realize while we were lost, Jesus came, lived, and died so that we could be restored to the Father, that we can have a seat at the table. God was proactive. It's a feast that declares that we are welcome because of the host. The host is the elements. But communion is also an invitation that as we are fed, as we are forgiven, as we are given a place, we give out to others. As we receive the elements, they're going to sing a song that, quite frankly, I can't sing very often. The blessing. And it's the priestly blessing. The, the, the blessing that God invites the priest to make to the people, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, make his fine face shine upon you and give you peace. That every time the people would gather, the priest would say this blessing on the people. And then I think about 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are given this great privilege of not only receiving this blessing, but giving this blessing an invitation. So this morning as you're fed, don't just be fed. Be filled so you can be emptied. Let's pray. Lord, right now help us to be attentive to you. You are good. And you invite us to demonstrate your nature. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll dismiss from the back.
be upon you in a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going and your weeping and rejoicing he is for you 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 of our Lord Jesus Christ which was broken for you eat and be blessed the blood of Jesus which was shed for you without the shedding of blood there cannot be the forgiveness of sins and Jesus Christ shed his own blood on your behalf and my behalf so that we can be reconciled to the Father dream from faithful hearts Lord we're thankful for the host, for what it means that we can be one with you and one with each other. Lord, may we, um, may we not take these gifts lightly or for granted, but Lord, may, um, may our lives reflect your true nature. And I say in closing, the Lord bless you Lord, make his face shine upon you and give you peace. You are dismissed.